Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. It's Sunday afternoon, the day before this episode comes out, and I hope everyone is having a relaxing day. This episode is the second and final episode of our New Year's Nicktoons. I know that I mentioned I was nervous about kicking off 2019, and everyone has been so great so far about our episode, My Life as a Teenage Robot. Thank you, and I'm excited for you guys to listen to more Nicktoons today. Some quick pre-show announcements pertaining to a quick request again, some shout-outs, and what happens on today's episode. So the holidays are over. Hopefully you're loving this show. I can't thank you enough. On social media, BuzzFeed has asked readers to recommend podcasts for 2019. Please recommend us. We've been around for almost five years now. If you love the show, we're confident that others will love it too. We're asking for assistance, so kindly recommend us. If you do, message me on social media that you sent BuzzFeed a note, and I will send you some Saturday morning cartoon stickers of our icon done by Rory Lucy. Seriously, it's that easy. Some shout-outs in the style of an actual compliment sandwich, <laughs> as opposed to last week's reverse compliment sandwich. On our Bionic 6 episode on YouTube, cartoon fan 959 says... Still no DVD, damn it. It seems silly that some of these shows that we discuss and that we watch for the podcast are not available on DVD or even available via some proper streaming service like Amazon where you can actually buy them and then watch them even in a standard definition setting. So Cartoon Fan 959, we agree with you. This is extremely frustrating, especially for Bionic 6 because we had so many questions about that show. Our second is Reno on our Herculoids YouTube episode. He writes, I feel sorry for the 2018 generation. No class whatsoever. No more white wall tires. No more cars with overwhelming paint schemes. <laughs> this is so great. No more excitement at the movie theater. No more excitement on the radio. And no more shopping for music where one had to make an effort. No more awesome camera stores. What a boring world this is morphed into. For me, this is going to be an agree to disagree, So, but I still appreciate you reaching out and writing a comment, Reno. Yes, I think that the world has morphed into something different. Obviously, we're getting older. This is happening all the time. Newer, bigger, better technology. There's still a lot of really cool things that are there, and you just need to know where to look for them. But we appreciate you reaching out and dropping us a message, Reno. So thank you. Finally, on Twitter, Angie Wormy messaged me with a very kind note about Melissa Etheridge and the inspiration for the song Come to My Window that we talked about on last week's episode, My Life as a Teenage Robot. In some cases, we were wrong and right about what the song actually means. Come to My Window is really a very interesting story, and I I love the song too. It's crazy to think that there are so many points of inspiration for Melissa Etheridge based on what was going on in her life at that time regarding sexual identity, Uh, regarding coming out as being gay, uh, regarding being lonely and being on tour. There's so much stuff that's there. There's actually an Entertainment Weekly article about that that is wonderful. If you were ever curious what actually that song means, so go check it out. And also, thank you, Angie Wormy, for the message and for being awesome. Positive vibes is my motto in 2019. Today, we have Danny Phantom. We are going to be discussing Nicktoon Danny Phantom to close out New Year's Nicktoons. And starting on February 4th, we've got All Listener Appreciation Month. So what is actually happening on today's Danny Phantom episode? 
We've reviewed and we've discussed The Fairly Odd Parents. Today we chat about Danny Phantom from the same creator, Butch Hartman. So yes, it definitely looks similar, and the story is very interesting, similar to what we've discussed with Fairly Odd Parents previously. I'm joined by Dr. Jason Woods and director Tony Lazzaroni to discuss the spirit world and the confluence of influences present in today's show. I also most certainly mispronounced the phrase in medias race. All of that and more on today's episode. So now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you all the way from a world unseen, I'll be your ghost of a host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining me today, an inventor and a genius mind of his time who happens to be the latest employee to Fenton Works, we have Dr. Jason Woods. Jokes and jokes and jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you can hear him laughing in the background with me. Also joining us today with eyes glowing green and otherworldly powers, we are joined by director and filmmaker Tony Lazzaroni. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. I've had you do that laugh several times as part of an introduction <laughs> to this show now. I just like to be an evil scientist no matter what I do. That's how things work. Oh, uh, well, perfect. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be an evil scientist? And we have... What seems like evil good scientists for tonight's show, this is always a joy because we are in January 2019 and we are back with our second installment, our second and final installment of the month of January with New Year's Nicktoons. This is one of my personal favorites to, to kind of get a chance to, to recap on some of the Nicktoons that weren't really kind of shows that I had watched when I was growing up. These are the ones that kind of came a little bit later that I missed. And so it's great to kind of have a, an opportunity to go back and take a look at some of these shows. Kind of jumping into this first, I wanted to get some impressions and sort of yeah, maybe baseline where we are right now a little bit. And so I wanted to, to kind of understand, Jason, were you aware of Danny Phantom? And what was your potential relationship with Nicktoons? I had honestly never heard of the show before you sent it out to watch, which makes me feel a little bit bad because uh, searching around Google about it, it's got a, a pretty significant following or people that think it was good. So I sort of feel like I'm letting the show down by by having never heard of it. My relationship with Nicktoons very much, uh, I think, was dependent on on when in time each Nicktoon came out. You know, I feel like I watched a, a lot of them in, uh, in like high school and maybe early college. And then I definitely had a gap starting in I don't know, maybe maybe 2003 from mid-college on, where I, I feel like I didn't see a whole lot of the shows that were that were out then. And I, I will agree with you. I really did not have any anchor with this as well, Jason. And even last week, the show that we watched, which was My Life as a Teenage Robot, was something that I was aware of it. I saw some commercials for it, but that's really where my relationship ended. Tony, for you... What was your relationship with Danny Phantom and Nicktoons in general? Uh, I'm in the same boat. I, I actually had to look up when this one came out to, to see if it was something that was in my <laughs> generation of sorts. Uh, and it, it started in 2004, so that plays perfectly with the, with the timeline that Jason's mentioning. But really up until, up through high school is probably the last time I had any interaction with Nicktoons on an active basis up through 2002. 
uh, and then after that, once I was into college, my TV didn't really change off of like Comedy Central. So <laughs> most <laughs> most cartoons at that point, unless they were that and Adult Swim, I would switch over to Adult Swim. So I would see stuff on Cartoon Network late night. But that's that's about it. So, but before that, yeah, I mean the original Nick- Nicktoons. I remember when those came out when it was Rugrats, Doug, uh, and uh, um, uh, why am I blanking? Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and, and Stimpy. Stimpy. Yeah. yeah. Uh and uh and uh Ah Real Monsters, I think was like the first expansion one that they did when they started to kind of grow the lineup beyond that. So I remember all those. Uh so I'm familiar with the, the lineup of, of Nicktoons up to a point, but kind of like the I remember like the was Wild Thornberries or whatever, wasn't that one of the ones that was uh, right. uh like th- that that show no, that was that's after my time. So this yeah. is I think well after my time at this point in time. Very interesting that none of us have really watched Danny Phantom before tonight. So we're coming in with a with three fresh set of eyes and opinions on this show, but all three of us have the same common anchor that we watched a lot of Nicktoons growing up, and we watched a lot of those original Nicktoons too. Yeah. And so this is always kind of very interesting, as I had mentioned, to to kind of see the continuation because I mean, we may have stopped being or being considered children at some point, but Nickelodeon never stopped making Nicktoons and kind of continued, you know, with that process of making some of these fun, innovative, really interesting cartoons uh, throughout the times that we had that kind of taste change where we were switching over to Adult Swim for maybe Aqua Teen Hunger Force and some of the other cartoons that were there or Comedy Central because we, you know, were interested in some of the programming that they had as well. So it's... It's interesting to see how some of this can still resonate and how we can respond to it. So I'm excited to jump into this tonight. So for anybody who has not watched Danny Phantom, Danny Phantom is an American superhero animated television series created by Butch Hartman for Nickelodeon. It was produced by Billion Fold Studios and distributed in Canada by Nelvana, a Canadian animation company. I have said this again time and time if you're familiar with my opinion on Canadian animation, it takes a real hard turn into territory where I absolutely hate it. Tonight <laughs> might kind of change me a little bit. This is what's bonkers. This is why I love this. The series premiered on April 3rd, 2004 at 9.30 p.m. in its first episode airing after the 2004 Kids' Choice Awards. And the show ended on August 24th, 2007, totaling 53 episodes over the course of three seasons. With five Annie Award nominations, Danny Phantom has received critical and audience acclaim with praise primarily directed at its ensemble cast and comic book influence themes and storylines. Hartman himself has noted that the series is arguably the most popular and acclaimed work despite its relatively short production life compared to The Fairly Odd Parents. Danny Phantom has spawned video games, home video releases, toys, various other merchandises. After the show ended, Reruns continue to air on Nicktoons until December 25th of 2016 and will return to premiere on Nick Splat for the first time on January 16th, 2019. This isn't something that we tried to, to coordinate how this was working, that we were like, oh, hey, it just so happens that we're recording and releasing this around January 2016 when it's going to be on Nick Splat, which if you're familiar, and we've talked about this a lot, Nick Splat is now a part of Verve, VRV. So you can go and you can watch tons and tons of Nicktoons that they have that are available there. Uh, But Danny Phantom is actually available on Hulu right now and will be then suddenly a part of Nick Splat on Verve. So very cool to kind of see that you can now watch this on a couple different networks 
Uh, hopefully, it'll gain some some additional audience attention and have people rewatching the show. To give us a little bit of context in terms of the synopsis and the plot, Jason and Tony are going to fill us in. Uh, so first up, um, just a little little synopsis. The series follows a teenage boy who, after an accident with an unpredictable portal between the human world and the ghost zone, becomes <laughs> a human-ghost hybrid and takes on the task of saving his own town and the world from subsequent ghost attacks. He uses an evolving array of supernatural powers and is aided in his quest by his two best friends and then later his older sister. In order, those are Sam, Tucker, and Jazz. They're his primary allies in his ghost fighting and help him keep his ghost half a secret. Danny, who calls himself Danny Phantom, ooh, uh, in ghost form, <laughs> develops the ability to fly, which is uh, it's slight, slightly, uh, uh, slightly intelligent because his, his real last name is Fenton. So Danny Phantom, Danny Fenton, it's close. They they they, they did. There's it some, works there's well. Some, there's some wordplay. There's some wordplay. There's there's some good synergy there. Uh, but he develops the ability to fly, become invisible, and to become intangible, so he can just flip through walls uh, and to overshadow, possess, and control. That is, uh, people uh, after first learning how to switch back and forth at will between his ghost and human forms, which initially he has some trouble with. He's just like randomly his arms and legs are changing and things like that. Uh, over time, he develops much stronger abilities, such as his Ghost Ray, a concentrated blast of energy he fires from his hand, his Ghostly Wail, an intensely powerful scream and sonic capabilities that knocks back anything caught in its path, and even cryokinesis, something that you don't get a parenthetical description for because there's not one in my notes. Danny is initially <laughs> frightened by his new abilities and has little control over them, but he soon learns to use them to protect his town from malevolent ghosts. Uh, Danny turns his life turns to a life of a superhero using his powers to rid his hometown of the various ghosts who plague it and are almost always brought into the world thanks to a sporadic activation of the Fenton's ghost portal. Well done, Dad. Quick note, Tony. What do you think cryokinesis is? I have no freaking clue. I, kinesis, so the ability to, to lift things with his mind, I don't know what the cryo comes in. I always think cryo relates to like freezing ability. Maybe right, can... I think it's like I think he can freeze things with his mind. Okay, so all right, all right, maybe that's what it is. I but even so, there is no description listed, so I I don't know that as a fact. And, You're that is I conjecture. I don't sir. believe. I don't believe that he exercises that power in this particular episode. Did I miss no. that? No, I don't no, think so. He doesn't. He's still in the weird puberty stage of trying to figure out what his powers are. Yeah, in that middle school setting which seems like a perfect parallel to kind of talk about. We can get into this a little bit more when we actually talk about the show and some of the characters itself, but it wouldn't be Saturday morning cartoons if we didn't first dig in and talk a little bit about the theme song. And so Jason, I wanted to get your impressions about the Danny Phantom theme song. Um, I feel like I have a reputation on this show for, for coming on and, then making Sean not speak to me for for weeks and weeks uh, because I seem to hate the things he loves. I, I don't think that Sean and I spoke for like a solid month after I told him that I thought the He-Man TV show was terrible. So I'm still uh, I just, angry. I, <laughs> oh, I'm, get angry I'm aware, me too I'm aware of my... <laughs> I agree with Jason. <laughs> so so I, I, I did not love this theme song, and some of that is personal preference. I think I enjoy the cartoony theme songs that have like like metal guitar riffs like i just my like ideal cartoon theme song is is the the x-man animated show yeah yeah oh, like yeah. sean's wailing away on air guitar and so this this one <laughs> this one had a little bit more of like a like a rap feel to it 
Um, and I could have I could have probably liked that, except that they they basically ripped off the Pokemon catchphrase. And Thank I could you. not get over that. Like <laughs> they just kept you. saying gonna catch them all. Like like we weren't gonna realize that gonna and gotta weren't were maybe <laughs> close and maybe not close. And then I spent the entire theme song just wondering why like were they were they dedicating it to Pokemon or were they like big Pokemon fans? And then all of a sudden the theme song was was over. So I, I could not get over it. <laughs> oh my god, my face hurts. I mean I'm glad I'm glad that you came out guns a blazing on this. I, I, I agree with you. Because the the Pokemon ripoff of like he's gonna he's gonna catch them all, but they like whisper it. It's so, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I agree with you a hundred percent. Anything else, Jason? No, I, uh, I could do without it. Understood. Tony, I want to get your impressions of this theme song. So musically, uh, I agree, it's not not the greatest thing, uh, lyrics wise. Yeah, it's kind of lame, but. The one thing I do appreciate about it is that we didn't need an origin story episode. Like there's there's no there's no seeing his first time getting these powers. We get it explained in a you know minute and a half long theme song, which I assume as they get longer into the series, they just cut down how much of that they actually play. But oh, I for, hope this, so. for this first episode, we basically get the whole backstory, everything that you need. But the one thing that I will say is interesting about it, it doesn't have to do with the theme song. It has to do with the, the episode. And I know we'll get more into this later, but they open with a cold open on the first episode where we haven't learned like who these characters are, what their powers are. I was like, this is a ballsy fucking move right here to just come out with a cold open and just say, you're dealing with these characters. Like you don't get yeah. to find out who they are or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're just like, he's confused about his powers and cold open all that. So uh, at first I was like, wait, did it, did we somehow start on not the first episode? Is did they rearrange these or something like that? Then the theme song explains everything. I go, oh, now I understand. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I I was so confused when that started because I I didn't I didn't know anything about it. I didn't realize it was going to be a cold open. Yeah, and I ended up rewinding it twice, assuming that like maybe my Hulu had glitched and I had missed the <laughs> intro to to what we were doing and I, I kind of ended up loving it where they just they just plop you down in the middle yeah. and then the theme song comes comes a little bit into the show and then and then I I figured out like oh all right I we're we're just getting dropped right in there's there's no origin introduction story it's that Spider-Man homecoming approach of just we don't need to hear the damn origin story like we can figure out enough from from the story if you just get into it and develop the characters out which I, I do appreciate. They don't they don't dilly dally on that. There's not a ton of time spent on it. Yeah, we do jump straight into kind of puberty and still trying to figure out those things. But even Homecoming did that because he got the suit and still had to figure out how to fucking use that suit. So right, you know that that's that's a general theme in in those kinds of stories. But I did like not having to deal with that beyond the theme song the, and just getting into it and getting moving along. I, I did too. I love the fact that it really drops you in medias res into the story and uses the theme song to kind of fill in some of those gaps. I and mean, it, it's, it's kind of a cookie cutter origin story. Like we we've heard this before, you know, where there was a piece of technology, it wasn't functioning. It's kind of like a Dr. Manhattan style thing where you walk in and suddenly your presence inside of that machine. In the case of this actual theme song, it's him hitting the on button inside of the actual uh, Fenton ghost portal which triggers this, which causes him to now have these hybrid powers. And he has the ability to, to do all of these things, but he's 
as we've mentioned, like puberty really runs as a parallel story to this, not only because of the age range that he's in, but because of the fact that he can't control any of these things, mm-hmm. uh, at least right now. And so it's, it's still a little bit of a struggle for him to, to get a handle on it and to understand and kind of accept who he is. My kind of standard approach to theme songs in this sense is that I like the fact that this is dedicated animation. I mean, I don't think you're going to see this uh, in the actual show itself. And in, again, as we've made mention, it wouldn't make sense to have an origin story episode because we've already talked about everything for the origin story. So I love the fact that it kind of fills in that gap for you. The challenge is, is that there are so many other characters and this really only does a roll call for Danny Phantom himself. Yes, it's the titular character, but you've got a lot of other characters that are kind of supporting him and help him keep the secret. Plus, the family dynamic that he has is very unique, and they don't use a lot of those characters' names in the actual show itself, possibly until very later in the show. Mm. And so you're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, I'd, I'd love a name. I'd love to know who this person is. Why aren't they giving me this information? This doesn't make any sense. So it's a little bit frustrating to that sense. Mm-hmm. The music itself, not an earworm, very unforgettable. I'll say this, any intro that starts with a whisper that just goes, he's a phantom, kind of freaks me out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, it was very weird. It was very weird. And then it goes into sort of this hip hop rap verse. And it seems to really only serve Danny and nobody else. And as we've made mention, this show has been praised and lauded for the ensemble nature of the actual show. But the theme song really just focuses on Danny. I 100% agree with Jason about the guy, he's going to catch them all line. That drove me absolutely bananas. (laughs) And there was one other line that really frustrated the shit out of me that was in here and I, I I've watched the theme song now three or four times and it's the one that says as they're explaining all of his powers that he has it just says he was much more unique than that other guy referring to himself without powers now the, him with powers is much more unique there are moments in the actual episode that we watched tonight where they're talking about being a unique person and having a unique point of view and that should be enough And it seems to kind of almost contrast very harshly with sort of this idea that those people might not have powers, but yet they are enough. Like, you should be enough. I feel like that's a weird message to say to kids is you should have that Dr. Manhattan moment where you gain powers because otherwise you're boring as shit by comparison. (laughs) And that's that's frustrating. I, I think... If I was a kid watching this, because this show came out when I was 24, as a 24-year-old, I probably was impressionable enough to watch this and be like, oh, maybe I do kind of suck. Maybe I should start volunteering like science labs and, and, and see if there's any like weird experiments. You just need to go fuck around with your dad's inventions. Like That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> just just wow. throw caution to the wind and go try and mess around with things that not even your dad understands how it works. Invent yeah. shit that he doesn't understand how it works oh. or how to use it. Which... God, I, I, I had to talk about the, the, the parental units that are in this, the, the mom and the dad combo, because I, I just it's, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating to, to kind of see how they, they, they operate and how they behave. Oh. I will say the final thing at the very end to kind of finish my thought on the theme song that I do enjoy is that this episode has a title card leading into the rest of the episode. Yeah. And they have a little fun note, and I, I believe they're unique or they're different 
and in this kind of title bump card leading into the episode, it says, all new in terrifying meat vision. And <laughs> it's such a silly, dumb kind of joke, but I love the fact that these are unique to the episodes themselves. I think that that shows that they spent a little bit time to be able to show things that are on there. I, I enjoy seeing that myself. Jason. I love those two. That was one of my favorite parts about watching Futurama was like the, the little tagline at the beginning of every yes. show. Love yeah. it. Always love that. We obviously have a very unique animation style for the show, and I wanted to kind of talk about this. Jason, I'd love to get your impressions and what you thought about it. I, I don't love this animation style, and I think that may be why this, like, this chunk of cartoon life I didn't, I didn't fall in love with. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't find it um, visually appealing at all. Like, I don't want to go back and watch the show just because of, I know it looks cool uh, and that it doesn't, it doesn't draw me in. Okay. Um, I don't know why. And I know they don't, they don't exactly look the same, but I just kept uh, thinking that it looked very much like Ed, Ed and Eddie to me, which I also didn't want to watch because of the animation style. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's okay if you never want me back. I get it. <laughs> you make it sound like not bringing somebody on with the difference of opinions is a bad thing, and I always want that, Jason. So yeah, so thank yeah, you. I promise I don't hate all cartoons. <laughs> Just all the ones that I ask you Just, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any any final thoughts just kind of about your impressions about this, Jason? No, and, and I can't say that I'm I'm nearly as much of like a cartoon historian. I don't know where this style fits into like the the animation style world and progression and what else was going on at the same time, but I uh, I it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. Understood. Understood. Tony, impressions about the animation style for yeah, Danny It feels somewhere between like I didn't watch a lot of it, but like Fairy Odd Parents, like mm-hmm. the character design and that sort of thing, uh, and then the cinematography end of it, like just how like how the camera lives and how the camera being the viewpoint that you're seeing it through lives in the world. Uh, they would do a lot of like low angles and stuff like that, which I did like, but that's stuff that dates back to I mean, Animaniacs was doing that sort of thing too, right? Uh, and so I felt like it was just like a modernized version of that with the with the animation style. Uh, it it wasn't amazing it didn't like blow me away i'm not going back to it specifically for the animation style it felt you know it felt similar enough to other things uh but i i I did appreciate the cinematography end of it that it wasn't just scooby-doo-ish with like single side scroller type uh shooting you know shooting setup that was one thing i'll knock against uh ed ed and eddie which i also very much disliked uh, was was yeah? I was. I was Jason is just so happy. Jason is right straight up. The look on right Sean's now. face when I said I didn't like it was one of horror. Oh no, it was it was awful. But I I also I don't like that one because there's no. I I don't like that one for the same reason I don't like Aqua Teen, which is like there's no redeemable characters in my mind in oh. that show, and I okay. just, that doesn't appeal to me. But um, but yeah, so. I think that one was a more boring cinematography style on top of not great storytelling. So this one, I, I think if I'm going back to it for the, anything in the animation, it is that interesting camera angles and, and kind of playing with, with things and, and having some fun with that. Gotcha. I like that. I'm also defending other cartoons on a Danny Phantom podcast. I'm like, well, what you guys need to understand about Ed, Ed and Eddie and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Now I'm, I'm not obviously <laughs> not going to get it. 
I just I love absurdist cartoons in that nature. So and the fact that they don't have any redeeming characters is I think fun just because you can do whatever you want. Uh, that being said, for animation style, I really felt that this was very similar not only to what we talked about last week with the Nicktoon My Life is a Teenage Robot, uh, which I had previously mentioned has those very thick lines on the borders for all the characters, for a lot of the environment. It's very similar to the older Hanna-Barbera style that they have that's out there. If you go back and you look at the Flintstones and you realize that there's very thick black lines that kind of outline mm -hmm. every aspect of their living situation and that particular environment that they live within, that world, uh, you see a lot of parallels that are drawn there. Again, very angular jaw lines, very pointy jaws for a lot of people. And I made the parallel last week with My Life as a Teenage Robot that that kind of has sort of an anime style. And I want to say in this context, I don't think it does. It looks very, very similar, as Tony had mentioned, to Fairly Odd Parents. And there's the obvious uh, parallel that they would draw. They were done by the same production studio. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. The thing that was very interesting to me was then what they borrow from, say, a Batman in uh, like an old kind of like 1960s Batman mm. with the onomatopoeia kind of like pow whenever there is a fight as that way to sort yeah. of obscure violence, which originally when it happened, I thought was very unique. I was like, oh, okay, cool. They're going to do kind of that, you know, they do a wham at one point when somebody gets punched. But then later on, there's actual violence of when Danny is kicking these little meat monsters in half and the terror on their faces, he's like cutting them to pieces and they don't onomatopoeia that at all. And so for me, I'm like, <laughs> oh, like what? It's, it's interesting the choice that they make to be able to include that. And then there's a lot of times that they're like, eh, fuck it. We don't, we don't want to add it in there. Little Sorry. Meat Monster was Sean's nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to, I just want to ask, did you guys both think that the, uh, the, when the Meat Monster became a thing, that it was Clayface from, from Batman, the animated yes, series? Yes, it was yeah. exactly the same. It was it dead so on Clayface. Like, Clayface. like, I think that, I think. They, this this is basically an amalgamation, and I, I, this goes back to the idea of like everything's a remix. If you've ever seen that series, which is brilliant, go check it out. You can find it online. Kirby Ferguson, amazing name, and also did an amazing series of like pop culture, how everything references everything else. Like we're talking about Pokemon, and we're talking about uh, uh, Batman, ba Batman, and we're talking about just all these things that kind of probably accumulated together in the minds of the people that created this, or wrote the episodes, or designed the characters. And it just all kind of comes together. It's probably not something they're even consciously doing, uh, right. but that but it just winds up happening, and stuff you know history repeats. Right. It, it's it's weird how some of those things that are just kind of out there in the zeitgeist, as people probably grew up watching cartoons in this nature, incorporated them into the actual cartoons that they then created. Because there is a very strong third franchise that we haven't mentioned yet, which is how much this is like Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot the of set. Ghostbusters yeah. uh, in influence. And even Mighty Morphin Power Rangers sort of influence with the, you know, sending like a new villain, that kind of uh, repetitious serial nature of every week there's a new villain, there's a new yeah. ghost, here it is, got to fight it, got to get rid of it. So got to catch them. Got to catch them all, guys. Got to catch all those little meat monsters. Got to get them all. Got to catch them all. Was it going to catch them all? Is that what it was? 
gonna catch it was gonna because gonna and gotta totally different like no trademark uh infringement there whatsoever gotta implies that ash could fail at collecting all the pokemon but gonna catch them all we already know predestined that danny phantom is going to succeed in everything that he does i like it So we have a bunch of characters, and we've kind of really begun to talk about them. For the episode that we watched tonight, the the first episode, season one, episode one, uh, for this episode, we had Danny, obviously. We have Sam, his female friend. We have Tucker, his male friend. We have Jasmine, his sister. We have Dash, who is the bully. Uh, and we have Danny's parents. We have Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Fenton in this. And so I wanted to just check and see, Jason, were there, was there a character that you liked out of this show or were there characters that you didn't like? Uh, I actually like uh, Danny as a lead character. I found myself enjoying that he, uh, he's struggling with these new powers, but he's not generally a dick about it, uh, which I think Tony and I were, are like long lost best cartoon friends because <laughs> I also don't love Aqua Team for the same reason. Where I'm like I I don't I don't want to see anything more about any of these terrible people. Yeah. Uh. Well, they're not they're not people. But uh, Carl, um, I like Carl. Carl's the only one that I. Yeah. So I I actually really like Danny as as a main character. Um, his his two sidekicks I both thought were were absurd. Uh, Sam, who is his female friend, is like actually the the big bad of the whole show. She is the <laughs> one that that starts the the badness because she demands that their lunches get changed to like an all recyclable plant garbage product uh, lunch. Uh, and I feel like in real life, I would have absolutely hated her. Yeah, uh, Tucker. It just is he developing superpowers like or was the ability to smell meat from hundreds of yards away like just a one <laughs> one off like accidental thing? Because I didn't know whether they were going to go with like also the sidekick as a superpower uh, and whether this is a recurring theme that he can smell meat from from far away. I'm going to venture to say that this is a one off just to kind of serve <laughs> this particular episode that this this wasn't something that. Maybe if it's called back to later in any of the three seasons, but I don't think it's highlighted. And then I think, Sean, you're probably going to get into this, but I, uh, and maybe just because we've seen it so often, I really hate the trope of the parents are just stupid, blundering idiots who somehow are like technologically advanced enough to make all of these devices that just need like one additional thing to work. And then it's always the kid who manages to figure it out. Like I... I sort of, uh, I'm done with that. That that was like the trope in, I don't know, Jimmy Neutron. The parents were stupid idiots who couldn't figure anything out. And I, uh, I don't, I don't want to see that anymore. No, I mean, I think you came on the Jimmy Neutron episode, yeah. and uh, I remember how frustrated I was with that, just in general <laughs> myself. I think you're right. I think you and Tony are actually long lost cartoon brothers. So later on. Uh, after we are finished recording, uh, I'm going to allow Tony to introduce Jason to Neon Genesis Evangelion so you guys can both hate that and then tell me how much you hate I, uh, it and just watch me. Cringe. I was going to actually bring it up only because I like rubbing salt in your wounds. I oh, listened to that podcast uh, with you and Dave, and I've never seen it, but the you you explaining that to him was like every time I try to explain to my wife why she should love Star Wars, where I was just like, no, you just haven't watched enough of it. You didn't read enough of the backstory in the Wikipedia articles online to get it. So this is on you. Oh, God damn it. That show, that, that show can go outside and, go, and play hide and go fuck itself because I uh, just don't give a shit about it. 
Oh. <laughs> hurting me. Hurting me right where it counts. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Tony, impressions about some of these characters. Who did you like? Was there anybody that you particularly did not like uh, in, in terms of the tropes uh, kind of beyond what Jason has mentioned? I... It, it actually it tainted the characters tainted another thing for me. Kind of going back to how everything's connected because I am a huge Scott Pilgrim versus the World fan, and yes. they have the line in Scott Pilgrim versus the World where uh, where Todd the the vegan bass player uh, um, he's he says that he's ovo lacto vegetarian. He doesn't eat anything with a face, and he does that whole dramatic like hand over the face thing. Uh, yeah. And in this, they actually make basically the same joke. I don't need anything with a face and I and but this predates that that movie by like six years so right. that that joke that I love from that movie was in the show and at first it was like oh they they totally stole that from Scott Pilgrim no if anything it's the other way around uh or it, I imagine it probably pre-existed it existed someplace else in pop culture before that but it it was one of those things where I was like oh I like that joke I might have liked it more in 2004 than I do now just because I've now heard it someplace else and it's kind of like everybody likes the first version of a song you hear and then any remake or something like that you're not going to like as much as the original but if you hear the remake first the better chance you're going to like that before more than the original song you know what i mean right you're encountered that with like some song that gets covered by an artist and, and you're gonna, i feel like it's the same thing for jokes too like you're always going to like the first person that, that said the joke more than the third that does it I'm trying to think of in terms of uh, years and, and when things were released, when Brian Lee O'Malley actually released the first Scott Pilgrim comic comic book. And I don't know if the joke's in the comic book, so I'm referring to the to the film. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't, mm. And so I don't know if the same joke is pulled from there, but it may be. It's, it's a possibility. Uh, right. But yeah, uh, that's that was, oddly enough, the only thing that stuck out out of the characters that we got to see. Uh, I will mention, you, you. I don't know that you mentioned him, but Vlad Masters, the uh, the the douchey teacher in the in the episode voiced by martin mull uh right who i who i love uh and so that, that was impressive and then also as soon as the dad started talking totally recognized rob paulson's voice because yep. he's, he's in every damn cartoon uh, uh, the rob paulson voice was great as the father but i swear it was rob paulson doing a maurice lamarche impression <laughs> which i know you'll get jason's just gonna sit over there and be like i have no fucking clue what you're talking about yep big, big shrug this uh, is where my nerd credentials get a little bit challenged because i i'm lost there there are two guys that do a ton of voices on futurama so you would you would recognize uh in fact um yeah. maurice lamarche does uh does the brain it's pinky in the brain so Pinky is, right. is Rob uh, yeah. Paulson, and the brain is yeah. I was gonna say they both sound very familiar, but uh... yeah, and Ro and this sounds like Rob Paulson doing an impression of Maurice Lamarche's character, uh, and it, it's okay. It's not great. I almost would rather see Maurice Lamarche in there for for that role. Uh, but I I scrolled through because I like just seeing who who plays some of the characters on here. Apparently, um, in other episodes, and I do want to go track down and see if I can find more to to see this. Ron Perlman, aka Hellboy plays yep. vice principal lancer in this series uh which sounds amazing um and then uh phil morris or uh for me dat fan uh, who else was on here michael dorn uh lieutenant wharf from star War from star trek is on here right i almost said from star wars like an idiot uh Taylor Lautner. Oh, yeah. You were going to challenge Jason's credentials that are within just, his wheelhouse. Listen, I would, number one, I would have been aware, but two, that would have shut the whole podcast <laughs> down. I think if you if you mistake Star Wars and Star Trek, 
like the internet eats you. That's it. <laughs> uh, Taylor Lautner, China Phillips, John Cryer, uh, David Carradine, <laughs> famous uh, yeah, dying while masturbating. David Carradine, <laughs> <laughs> Phil Labar, uh, <laughs> Will Arnett, Eric Roberts, Frank Welker, like Mark Hamill. That's an absurd run. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's, there's a lot a, of, there's a lot of notable voice cast, and so, some of show. these have three and four episodes uh, mm-hmm. out of them. Michael Dorn's on three episodes. I mean, twenty three for for um, Ron Perlman. He actually shows up more than Martin Mull does. Uh, we we got a less common character with the guy that showed up today from the from the teacher staff. So yeah, I don't know it that that much does have me interested. I do want to hear those other people, some of whom I've never heard do voiceover or voice acting stuff. Um, right. You know, granted, it was two thousand four, so it was you know 15 years ago maybe they were trying different things at that point in their career to see what stuck but uh it seems interesting to me no i agree i'll say in terms of the characters uh, i'm actually gonna agree uh with jason in saying that i did like danny phantom i liked danny fenton as the hero i felt that he did a good job i felt that he wasn't really too much of a uh he wasn't pompous like he had been given these powers but it felt like it kind of adhered to sort of that Spider-Man code with great powers come with great responsibility. And he seemed up to the task in an earnest fashion. Yeah. Without being a whiny, angsty bitch about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth, Jason, but I prefer, <laughs> I prefer uh, uh, Peter Parker from the standpoint of he's, he's a smart ass. Like I would like to see, I, I would like to see just a little bit more, like as he gets it, like a cockiness or something like that. I don't know that that plays better for me. This one, it's a little too goody two shoes. That's that's my gripe against it. It doesn't feel real. Well, you know, to go to your point about sort of the the in, like the level of intelligence and sort of that, uh, you know, higher understanding of of certain concepts like physics and and, and math and and everything that's entailed with this. I will say that the parents to me are again sort of the most frustrating thing as characters. You know, they are presumably unbelievably intelligent to have this company that that creates all of these different pieces, this Fenton works that that you know, they they invent all this new technology. They put together all these different things, but it's very frustrating because it doesn't seem like they actually understand a single thing that they invent. And so they're creating all these things, which is sort of a, a, a hope and a prayer that it's going to actually function the way that they want to. And, and this ghost, this other world portal that they've created becomes sort of the, the concept that they have to bring, again, that serial nature of every week, it's a new ghost, you know, into the world uh, without there actually having to be like a big bad. In my brain, that means that the parents are sort of the big bad guys. Like mm. they're the ones that created this. They don't understand what it is. If and I think the most frustrating thing to kind of lead a little bit into the plot now that absolutely just drove me bananas. Ghosts seem to be a thing. Like in the cold open, we are presented with the fact in this reality for this cartoon that ghosts exist. And then the father like seems to sweep his own legs out from underneath him and say, I've never seen one yet, but ghosts are real. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck? You can't. That that to me really kind of released 
uh, a lot of aggression that I had when I was, where you have somebody who is a smart, intelligent, but they are just also so dumb at the same time. <laughs> and I, I almost felt like I didn't need to see those parents yeah. in a majority of that episode. That sort of BSB story or B plot line that they had where they're trying to find the ghost with the Fenton finder and they think that it's Jasmine or Jazz, the sister, and they keep attacking her. I, I was like, I, I don't know what this is serving other than just to illustrate the fact that you guys are real dumb dummies. And I will say this, for a cartoon, for children, where they're looking at parents, in some cases, maybe it was good for them to just kind of put parents in that spotlight where they're saying like, oh, kids, those parents, your parents that you have that are out there, what dum-dums they are. At the same time, I felt like they could have really showed, uh, they could have showed a family dynamic that was uh, a little bit more supportive as opposed to predatory and accusatory of who was actually a ghost in their house. And I also want to venture to say that if ghosts exist and if they created a portal to this other world, chances are they're the reason that their daughter is a fucking ghost. <laughs> Like that, that makes yeah. the most sense to me in my brain. Like you made her a ghost. Like you made your son a ghost. You've essentially made your son a half ghost, half human hybrid. Like you, <laughs> you would have done the same thing to your, like to your daughter and you just seem to be aggressive and want to smoke bomb her. I, I don't know. I'm, I got frustrated very quickly in the first couple minutes, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't love, even in shows for kids, the, like the parents being the evil foil or the the people who are you're like fighting against are always causing them troubles. I, I prefer them, the adults in the show, to be more like the the approach that Muppet Babies took, where they're like basically non-existent, uh, or you're aware that there are adults, but I don't actually care about them. Right. Oh, very <laughs> challenging. So we are obviously going to kind of get down and and talk a little bit more about the plot. Danny Phantom, but we're not going to go beat by beat. There's a lot that happens in this cartoon, and it's very interesting to note that unlike My Life as a Teenage Robot, which was cut into two 10 to 11 minute vignettes, this is one full 22, 23 minute cartoon with multiple story like plot lines that they have that are trying to all weave together. So I took a look kind of high level. Uh, we, we've talked about for this actual episode, which is uh, the first episode titled Mystery Meat. We have sort of a ghost that comes back of a lunch lady who is very upset that somebody has changed the menu. She turns into a meat clay face and begins to attack people. Uh, and it's up to Danny Phantom to kind of, uh, you know, essentially ghost bust this entity that has come uh, and is attacking the school and all of the kids. So... I thought a little bit about this, and I've got some lightning round questions Ooh. for Jason and Tony. Are you guys ready for these? Never. Go. <laughs> All right. Favorite middle school lunch meal that you were served? Chicken nuggets and dinosaur-shaped french fries. Great. Tony? Uh, chicken fingers uh, and tater tots. Ooh, okay. I'm going to go with uh, the weird square pizza. It was never great, but it was always just pizza. And I always, I was just simply wanted pizza. I still, we're doing this podcast and I'm thinking about just ordering pizza. 
red meat in that situation was never a good thing in a school situation because it was always the flavorless fucking beef that was like the, the same worse than dog food because i can say i at least like dog food grade meat because i liked taco bell when i was a kid <laughs> right so it must have been worse than that right what would be your onomatopoeia in a fighting situation oh that's a good one uh shablam I want to ask you to spell it, but again, I just, I kind of almost want to take my own creative uh, artistic license with creating something. <laughs> yeah, yeah listen, my, my, my fist is moving so fast that you can hear it like, like cut through the air. There's a gust of wind that you get before the actual blam. I like it. I like it. Tony. Mine would be boom. It would be boomf. So boomf. Because <laughs> it is a. It sounds is like a... you stubbed your toe or like knocked your head on a door frame. It's that it's that sound of punching somebody in a gut and the air escaping their body as they as oh. they so it's it's everything combined. So yeah, I would boom for this one. I like it. I'm gonna go with blood owl. <laughs> it just it could be I feel like it could be used for multiple different uses <laughs> and it's very easy. And I go with this. If you were able to protest something when you were in middle school. Jason, what would you have protested? So I actually uh, had to have my parents called once during elementary school uh, because I was protesting that part of my lunch table got in trouble for, for being loud uh, and unruly. And, uh, and I felt that it was completely unfair to be, to be profiled in such a way. Uh, and so, so I'd, probably, I'd probably protest profiling in, in middle school cafeterias. Understood. Tony? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, so I would protest any time that they uh, got rid of the snow pile that was outside that we used to play King of the Hill on because uh, uh, that was that was the only game worth playing on that damn uh, uh, playground was was King of the Hill. And so they had the teacher's parking lot and they would clear it all down to the end. So that that giant uh, snow mound. But then sometimes they would come take it away. And I think it was because kids played King of the Hill on it. <laughs> You, you got to clear the blood stains out every once in a while. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> AIDS was a thing. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh God. Is that right, Doctor uh, Woods? Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, it is. It is a thing. Uh, I'm going to abstain from from this portion of the podcast. <laughs> Oh man, I I would have uh, I would have protested uh, having to wait outside for the bus in below freezing weather. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know. Yeah, you are one of those wussies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Moving on, we had John's a kid. Particular... I would have boomed. <laughs> yeah, boomf. Hit it with a boomf. So. In this episode, we had the Sam character introduce a specific uh, dietary restriction called ultra recyclo vegetarianism. Doesn't eat anything with a face on it. Essentially, as we mentioned, they're eating grass on top of a bun, which is it's, it's topsoil. She mentions it as topsoil. She tries to disguise it as being recyclable organic matter. I wanted to ask you guys, starting with Jason. What would be a dietary restriction that you would like to see removed? Like removed from the whole world? Yeah, like removed. 
Yeah, like like now are we I I need to I need to clarify this so that I don't get trouble in my own uh marriage. Are are we do the people get removed or the restriction is gone? The restriction, like the <laughs> the, the actual yeah, dietary I, restriction. I the gluten-free thing is just my wife's got celiac and it is uh it, so I would just like n- nobody's allowed to be gluten free. Everybody's got to have like blocks of gluten with every meal. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> mandated. <laughs> Tony, uh, I would go back to old school French cooking and just use butter with just abandon, reckless abandon, and anything that you produce, it makes everything better. <laughs> I I agree with you. I agree with you. Fat does make everything tastier. It does, and this. And the sad part is, this uh, coming from somebody who lost 90 pounds on a low-carb diet, fat is not the thing that actually builds the fat up. It's just the thing that it collects. And so right. cutting back on the fat doesn't help you. you got to cut back on the thing that lets you collect the fat. Anyway, that's yeah. my... That's my. I'm gonna step down off my Di- of dietary hill. thirty seconds with Tony Lazaro. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna step off the king of the hill and. <laughs> there you go, man. Let him uh, clear it. I'm actually. I, I would remove uh, peanut allergies. I wish peanut, people with yes. peanut allergies could uh, could enjoy that. I'd love to 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 be able to share a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with them. I think that would be great. We talked a little bit about sort of embarrassing parents that we have in this episode with the fact that the Mr. and Mr. Fenton seem to think that Jasmine is a ghost. They attack her multiple times. She gets very frustrated with all this. I wanted to know, is there anything that was in the middle school, high school era for you that your parents did to embarrass you? Uh, how long do we got? Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my, uh, I only missed, I missed curfew once in my, in all of high school. Not because I wasn't necessarily out later, but I just didn't get caught. Uh, and my, my dad, uh, showed up where I was and parked behind my car and then just waited, uh, and did not like alert me that he was there. What? And all of a sudden I came out and there's my dad hanging out and he goes, he like, made sure that that everybody else was also outside the house was like we'll talk about this when you get home and then didn't talk to me about it for like 72 hours so embarrassing cruel so i i applaud him i now have a child and i'm planning on executing the exact thing <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh my gosh tony it's not necessarily embarrassing but my dad is is a gruff personality like his nickname growing up was the bear uh, and he's just he's very quiet and he's got a deep kind of gruff voice and he never seems happy with anything. He's 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 our own personal or like family, like Mr. Scrooge, like <laughs> got it. Got but uh, he's so when when I was a kid, all my friends thought because of our Italian name that he was in the mafia. And <laughs> so so that he would be like he was going to kill them or murder their families or something like that and so that became the running joke and he never did anything to help alleviate that because anytime he was around never talkative or anything like that was always kind of gruff and short and just how do you know that he wasn't uh (laughs) moving on (laughs) (laughs) i will say that i had uh i i went down to a diner one night um at a sleepover party and because it had uh, one of those old school cigarette machines that you could pull the the slot, like you could pull the little mm-hmm. cord. And there were friends that I was with. I didn't smoke. 
promised that I didn't smoke. And I had some friends that went down because they wanted to, to go there. So it, I think it was like two o'clock in the morning at a diner. And I got a cup of coffee and hung out with some friends, but they were smoking. And this was like, this was early 90s so that you could still smoke in restaurants in Pennsylvania. And the next day I came home and my mom was like, how was the, how was the sleepover? I was like, it was fine. She's like, <laughs> where were you at two o'clock in the morning? I was like, the fuck she goes i have eyes and ears everywhere and i was like (laughs) god what it freaked me out she goes you're grounded for a week i i was she goes were you smoking and i had to be honest with her and she's like tell me the names of the kids who were and i was like oh no it's like mom i was like you knew who was at the who was at the sleepover? I was like, I don't need to rat anybody out. Don't force like, me to. Nart. Come on, don't don't be a jerk about this. So, not a rat. Also, didn't smoke. So good for me. Uh, we obviously have opinions about this show. Guess what? You listening right now? You also have opinions. We're gonna get to our opinions in a moment, but you guys have opinions. And we would like to hand this over to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. Our Love It is simply titled Danny Phantom by Jadis Draconis 113 in July 2006. He wrote, I have to admit it. I'm a Danny Phantom addict. I'm a 33-year-old father of three, and my two sons, three years and two years, and I watch this show every time it is on. The artwork of the show was superb when compared to many of today's or the last decade's cartoons. The plot and storyline are excellent for the average teen or even young teen. And the lines are better than many of the adult intended lines from Bugs Bunny. Heavy with sarcasm, dry humor, and a bumbling father's exploits, this show rocks. There's enough reality-based topics in the plot for any teen to relate to and many adults will take great humor in the dialogue. I personally believe the show caters to a sense of family and friends. Either group can benefit from this. Whether you choose to watch this with your family or sit back with your family, you'll certainly enjoy this cartoon. I'm proud to say I watched this. 10 out of 10. And our Hate It is titled, Doesn't Even Deserve a Star, by Seiko Tatsuya 26 in September 2007. This one is edited for length, and it says, I actually used to watch this show about a year ago for the mere reason that I heard it was made by the same creator as Fairly Odd Parents. At first, I thought it was going to be just as good, but after watching about 15 episodes, I got sick of it. Thank God that I found this site to let off some steam. First of all, sucky graphics. No, it doesn't have to change into anime style, but if Hartman is trying to actually make an action TV show, then the least he should do is add in more detail in the fight scenes. However, the whole crazy hair thing does resemble your typical anime style, so yeah. But still, putting in pow and punch doesn't make up for the action. He can at least put in some real fighting instead of sissy punches and kicks. What frustrated me the most about this show is that it's just another one of your typical teen angst shows about basically nothing important. Okay, so there's Danny turning into a ghost kid and fighting ghosts and also faces teen problems. 
The whole teen angst part is not how teenage life really is. This is just another one of those shows that just make kids think that teen life will be all that when it is not. I used to think that teen life was like that. As for the plot, there hardly is one. I've seen third graders come up with better plots for a story than this. One out of ten stars. Awesome. Thank you, Bobby. I Some of the stuff that is in there. I don't even know how somebody could say this show doesn't even deserve a star for they hate it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'll tell you who does deserve 10 out of 10 stars. Bobby Anthony. Every single week. Hands down. Woo! Yeah. So we are going to get in our opinions. Again, we can recommend it. We cannot recommend it, and we'll give you an explanation about why. If we don't recommend it, we can also give it the dip, which is the Roger Rabbit-style dip, erases it from the annals of cartoon history. To kick us off, Jason, what are your thoughts? Do you recommend uh, or not recommend? You know what? I I am intrigued enough that I would watch another episode or two of this to see which way it goes and see if some of the later episodes kind of fix the deficiencies that we're talking about. And so I, I'm going to recommend this. Okay. Great. I do, I do have one one thing that I want to ask you about before I have to go. Sure. So a, a big portion of the uh, the battle between the between the kids and the lunch lady uh, you know meat monster uh, occurs wherever the school is storing all the meat that they're no longer <laughs> serving for for lunch. That's weird. but it is it it's is a hell like of a warehouse. A, uh, a massive cave system like what I imagine where they stored all the government cheese. Uh, at and it there's it, like an endless supply of meat ammunition for the meat monster. What what number one? How far ahead are they buying the meat that they're serving these kids? And two, how many children are at the school that this is a reasonable amount of meat to have stored for like the one week that you are you're serving these this recycled topsoil? And three, how does how does the friend then not smell that meat constantly if he has that kind of sniffer on him that he can't spot that warehouse way more easily? These are all questions that we're never going to know for this show because evidently they're in five Costco's all put together at the same time. They're in a warehouse of food instead of a classroom. It's so where it's, they're storing the Ark of the Covenant from uh, from Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's like Warehouse 13. Warehouse 13. Jeez. Perfect. Tony, Danny Phantom, recommend or not recommend? I, I, I mean Ooh. I don't I don't want to put it to dip territory, but I'm gonna okay. say I'm gonna say not recommend until I can hear some more episodes because like I said, I want to go back into the voice actor cast, like from other episodes and hear I want to hear what Ron Perlman brings to the brings to the stage. And he's in half the episodes, a solid half of the episodes that are out there. So right. uh that that one I want to seek out. I want to seek out, you know, Mark Hamill's on this, uh another Batman crossover. Um yeah. I, I'm Tara Strong and and Phil Lamar and there's there's a bunch of people that are that are in that list that I'd like to see their episodes, but based on what we've got, uh, I don't know that I'm I'm in a recommend territory at, at all. Uh, I'm closer to dip between the two, uh, oh. but I I need I need more information. I am I am uh, I'm cautiously recommending at this point. In okay, time. we'll put it that way. Got it. I I think I'm kind of in the middle between Jason and and you. I I enjoyed it. And I actually really enjoyed it for a lot of the pop culture references, some of these things that were pulled in from the zeitgeist and, and you know, willingly or unwillingly mapped into this show. The Batman, kind of onomatopoeia pow, 
Yeah. The the Ghostbuster references that we have with Danny with the thermos at the end to kind of like as a trap from Ghostbusters to to catch the ghost. Uh, even from the the real Ghostbusters cartoon series, they have sort of that uh, that containment unit in the firehouse basement, which kind of looks a little similar in some cases to sort of the the Fenton portal that they have. And so mm-hmm. I like the fact that this is doing something new and, and different with sort of the, the half-human hybrid. And I also really like the fact that the story kind of feels like Danny understanding his powers is sort of his puberty story. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. And so for those facts alone, I think I would recommend the show. I'd begin excuse me, I'd be curious, as you mentioned, to kind of see in an episode or two what happens and sort of where the show kind of continues to go. Because if this is monster after monster after monster, I think it would kind of get a little tedious. But I I guess what I'm looking for is maybe some longer story arcs that they would have. Which I don't know was a thing back in 2004. Like that, I that hope is it was a, a thing back in 2004. That, that I think for cartoons is a development that came with Netflix and this whole binge culture that people are going to watch stuff back to back in a, in a running order that, that, that you're going to see a consistent story arc all the way through. I don't know, man. You had a lot of Batman the Animated Series that had a couple episodes, you know, where they'd have longer storylines. Sure. Uh, about stuff and so uh, even if it's two or three kind of episode story arc I'd love to see you know Danny learning a new power this cryo cryokinesis that we'd have no fucking idea what it is and and I'd love to kind of see him kind of deal with you know having to split his time between being a student and a kid and and sort of also understanding some of these half ghost worlds so For that alone, I think I'm I'm intrigued to watch more. And as we mentioned, it's all on Hulu right now, and it's all going to be on Nick Splat on Verve. So you can definitely check out more. It sounds like we have two recommends and we have or two recommends and a cautious recommendation from Tony <laughs> as well for this. So because you need to be cautious when dealing with cartoons. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's your time. You're spending a lot. If of you're going to experiment with cartoons, you need to be cautious. You should do it at your parents' <laughs> house. Under their supervision. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> they well, not Tony... talk to it for 72 hours afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Where can the good folks find you? Anything that you'd like to plug and have everybody, all of our listeners, go and check out? Yeah, so I host a podcast called The Film Student Podcast about my time at the Harold Ramis Film School. I actually just graduated back in December, so uh, so that podcast, Woo! we're trying to decide where it goes from here, whether it's something I keep doing or or, uh, or not, but even so, still exists as a great time capsule of all the people that were in that school. Um, and you can also find me at Film Student Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I'm also part of Crowded Elevator Pictures, which Sean has regularly worked with me on. Uh, you can go to Vimeo.com slash Crowded Elevator to find uh, a, a good chunk of our work there. Uh, and lastly, one of the shows that I worked on uh, last year uh, it was a final film project for one of my classmates. The show called Hinkle Knows Best. You can find it if you go look it up on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, it is effectively Boy Meets World. If every single character in Boy Meets World was played by a greased up, muscly guy wearing a Speedo. So that is Hinkle Knows Best. Go look it up. If you're intrigued at all by what I just stated, go look it up. <laughs> it is, it is, it's blowing up uh, on Reddit and it's, it's doing pretty well on YouTube. 
Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, so definitely awesome. worth checking out. I did the behind the scenes footage on that one, which has not oh. seen the light of day as of yet. But I was on set for it, and it was magical. Awesome. Awesome. I'm actually going to go watch that now when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, where can the good folks find you online? Anything that you'd like to plug? If for some reason you are uh, one of those people whose interests uh, happen to be pediatric emergency medicine and old Saturday morning cartoons, you can find me. Uh, my <laughs> podcast is called Little Big Med. It stands for Little Patients Big Medicine, where, where we're talking about pediatric emergency medicine. So you can find me there, although my guess is most of the listenership of this, uh, if they do go listen to that, they're, they're people that the police might need to be showing up at their house sometime soon. Why do you always put that caveat? It's so weird. We will plug and we will have all the information to Jason's show in our show notes and we'll put it out on social media. So thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. Thank you. You heard him on this episode, our friend Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. They're releasing new episodes. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. You can also find them on Apple iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Podcast, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time on Mixler. You can also find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message. Show him some love. He's simply the best. As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Want to support this show? Yeah, Saturday Morning Cartoons, the show you just listened to. Tell a friend... Rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Really do appreciate it. You can slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that is morning with you. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old tiny email at Saturday Morning Cartoons at gmail.com. You can find all of this information, even show notes that we have, shows that we've watched in the past. Submit shows to us clicking on any of the link tree that you see that's on our social media sites. You can always listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode about Danny Phantom. We are going to be back on February 4th to kick off Listener Appreciation Month. So thank you guys so much. Thank we'll you. We'll see you soon. Boof. Boof. Boomf. Boomf. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.